welcome to the Who'd Have Thought That About Drought podcast. It's a lovely evening. I'm on my allotment. I'm Dr. Rebecca Pierce, by the way. Now, if you're listening to this and you're a keen gardener and veg grower, I'm sure that right now you'll be thinking carefully about how you're going to manage if this hot, dry weather continues for the rest of the summer. I know I certainly am. And you might already be looking at some early casualties of the heat wave. From here I can see some uh, raspberries that are completely burnt on the tops. And in my garden, some of the perennials that I would normally be deadheading to sustain flowering have completely browned off and I'm already collecting seed. Here on the allotment I've been frantically picking the soft fruit before it shrivels and today I'm picking the first of the outdoor cucumbers several weeks earlier than normal. They are thriving in the heat and that's quite an exciting thing I suppose for a gardener but at the same time a little worrying as they're so early. I've had to put in extra shifts for the soft fruit harvest, picking late in the evenings when it is cooler, and I'm preparing and then freezing most of the berries because I don't have time actually, nor the heat tolerance, to make jam late at night. Well now I've relaxed you a bit, and I'm sure you can feel the warmth coming to you through this podcast. It's time for me to get on because there are still some jobs I can do and we can have a listen to some people's memories of past droughts, particularly 1976. I have a feeling that this drought now is very similar to that and uh, here are a couple of our memory donors talking about their produce that year. September the 15th. Went to Windy Ridge where I found one bean and several mushrooms. <laughs> one, one bean. bean. Gosh. That was that was because they just hadn't had enough no. rain, you know. Mm. I used to cry about my carrots because they never came up. Oh, <laughs> I think that was probably lack of water. That was Tim in Worcestershire and Christine in Devon. Tim was reading from his 1976 diary. He recalled how many days he had written that they were without rain and suffering in the oppressive heatwave. He also recalled how he was disappointed that having just bought a new house with a half-acre garden, his harvest was so pathetic. But this is what it was like back then. There was water rationing of one sort or another almost everywhere and gardens and allotments sizzled in the sun. Many householders like Christine applied meagre rations of washing up and vegetable preparation water but it really wasn't enough in most cases to keep things going. Christine was of course getting by on the water she could collect on a daily basis from the nearest standpipe. This meant that she really did have a lot of work to do if she was going to use fresh water on the garden and like most people Christine lived with the losses because it was impractical to do anything else. Now, with the first hosepipe ban in the UK already in force in Northern Ireland, which is not the first place many of us would imagine would run short of potable water, I thought it would be nice to hear an Irish voice. 
This is Heather talking about the garden at her family home in Belfast in the 1970s. Not really. There was a square of lawn with a rock, a square uh, like rockery all around it. It was apple trees with three mm. apple trees. Mm. My mum, I suppose my brother had an input in it. Grew a lot of vegetables. Well, they grew raspberries, strawberries, mm-hmm. tomatoes. My dad had nothing to do with the garden. He was useless in the garden. Useless at DIY as well. <laughs> in fact, no one in my family was ever any good at DIY. It was always get someone in. But they had a greenhouse and they had a, the way the garden was shaped, they had a whole side of it they could have as a vegetable patch. Oh, they had cucumbers, I think, as well. When I was a bit older, I had my own little patch. But I don't remember any particular flowers. I mean, I do remember roses. We had a lovely climbing rose mm-hmm. up the back of the house. The water must have been turned off at times because I do remember... Sometimes when it was turned back on, it was brown. Mm, and yes. we were told not to drink it. Yeah, we were told yeah. to boil it before drinking it. Mm. I do remember that. And I remember... Uh, I mean, it's back in the days before there was bottled water or anything. But we used to... I do remember one of the things... When we knew the water was going off or it was likely to go off, we used to fill lots of utensils and baths and and have lots of things filled ready Mm, mm. just in case so we always could boil a kettle you know so we could always have boiling water Mm. to boil you know have a kettle a cup of tea or something do you think you used all of that water or did sometimes you fill everything up and then um after a while no i think we we probably used it in the garden Mm, mm. i would think my mum would have used it in the garden and i know she would have filled she probably filled it the watering cans as well because obviously mm. we didn't want the the grass didn't matter but we didn't want the vegetables to completely no. go to loss no. this quite often happens when water is rationed at timed intervals everyone is pre-warned that the water will be switched off they fill up lots of vessels and then when the water is turned back on again, anything they haven't used gets poured on the garden. That's one way of keeping things going, but what about hosepipe bands? Well, I'm afraid they do apply to gardens and allotments, even when we're growing vegetables. Here where I am, there are several plot holders that have invested in submersible pumps that they drop into the dunk tanks and use to supply hosepipes. Please do not try and do this now. A running hosepipe can deliver between 500 and 1,000 litres an hour. This is a huge waste of water and should the hosepipe bands creep in your direction over the next month or so, you won't be able to use them anyway. Lots of allotments don't have mains water on tap. We know from research done by the Royal Horticultural Society that an average sized garden will require between 60 and 80 water butts to sustain it through a six week dry spell. And it's not therefore reasonable to expect anyone to have enough rainwater stored to meet their demands at the moment. So what's the prognosis? Let's hear from Brendan talking about the impact of the 1995 drought on local allotments in the Calderdale area. I have this impression of this area, you know, where horticultural shows are probably quite important to people and maybe allotmenteering is is quite prevalent. Well, well, a sort of humble home gardener and allotmenteer was really struggling? Yeah, we, we had um, about 350 allotment plots, mm. uh, some sites of which didn't have water on no. because they collected their own. 
uh, and obviously the, the, the ban stopped um, a lot of water use like that. So yes, the, I suppose the only thing would be that um, it, from memory, it really it was dry, um, but people were coping probably till about the middle of July. Mm -hmm. So crops were fairly well established um, when it when it really hit, and it would have stopped finishing off. You know, the rubber beans would have finished early. Yeah. Um, peas and things like that would have dried up. Potatoes wouldn't have, wouldn't have come through to their full their full size. Mm -hmm. But stuff like onions and things like that would have dried off nicely. Mm -hmm. uh, shallots would have dried off nicely. Um, garlic and things like that. So yes, it, it, it obviously had a, an impact. But I think because of the time of it, it wasn't that great. There. Do you feel a bit more optimistic now? Some things will grow well, some things will finish early, and some things will bolt in the heat. But it is better for us to all have some water than for a few to have too much, as being rationed completely is definitely going to result in diminished harvests for all of us. I'm afraid I can't really offer any gardener specific words of advice that I know will help them to sustain their plants through a hot, dry August. You could try shade netting, deep watering at the base of plants once a week, providing you have access to water. More importantly, make a note of what you might do differently next year that will help to hold moisture in the soil for longer. Just sitting and relaxing is probably quite a good idea while the temperature rises. You might even find time to listen to this podcast. I have pledged to release one each week while the dry spell lasts. Next week we'll be talking about archaeological finds that couldn't have been made without this sort of weather. But for now I'd like to leave you with this thought. A few weeks ago a Freedom of Information request from the BBC revealed how many councils were charging for green waste removal. The implication was that we should all be shocked that councils are making a profit on a service that was once provided as standard. I, however, was shocked that anyone is paying to have green waste removed when it really should be composted down and reapplied where it came from. If you already do this, your plants will fare much better in this weather. If you don't, then one thing you can do is start planning your composting activities for the future. If you do already have a compost heap, keep an eye on it because it could self-combust in this hot weather. So if you want to put water anywhere, make sure you damp down your compost heap. Bye for now.